you know that happy birthday is copyrighted? Wait, are you serious? Copywritten. <gasps> really? Mm. That would explain some. I feel like there have been situations where I heard somebody do like an altered version of happy birthday and I didn't. I was like, oh, it's definitely in public domain. Yeah. Like, I, I'm going to check that I, now that I said that, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Might as well not worry about, wonder about that. Yeah. I mean, happy one never knows. Birthday copy. Right. Copyright con- like laws in this country, I think, are also like kind of crazy. It's my impression. I think they haven't generally been updated that much since like the 1970s. Yeah, Warner Music pays 14 million to end Happy Birthday copyright. What? Yeah, they were trying. So this happened in February of 2016. Uh. Now the song's going to be in the public domain. Yeah. Oh, so they mm-hmm. won. We won. The yes. people won. Yes. <laughs> so now we can sing happy birthday wherever and whenever we want. Yeah. Thank God. Um, the judge did stop short of declaring the song in public domain. Uh, they reached an agreement. The song is expected to reap between 14 and $16.5 million in royalties in the next 15 years. Anyways. <laughs> now we know. Holy <laughs> shit. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> let me introduce you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm with... Uh, Dom- like, do you introduce yourself as Dominic most of the time or Dom? Um, most times Dominic, just to avoid the common, nice to meet you, Don. Oh, yeah. That's annoying. <laughs> It didn't even occur to me. <laughs> I'm like, no, everyone knows your name is Tom. Or, um, <laughs> or Tom. <laughs> or Tom. <laughs> Both just really inferior names when compared to Dom. Yeah. Um, so I'm here with Dominic Johnson. <laughs> Dominic, otherwise known as Dom Johnson. Um, <clears throat> is a violist in the area. Violist and sometimes violinist. For money. For money. <laughs> occasional pleasure. <laughs> For money, occasional pleasure, fame, glory, all of that. Um, <laughs> um, so <clears throat> I'm going to just dive in here. Um, uh, so how did you first get into music? I assume it was when you were a youngin. Yeah. A tiny uh, baby dumb. Right. So my mom listened to a lot of Beatles and Stevie Wonder. And then my dad was, uh, a musician. He is a musician. Uh, he was in a band called Santa Esmeralda in the seventies and eighties. And uh, so I think music was just always kind of around. He had a drum kit in his apartment, and I first my first instrument was the drums, and I played along to uh, Pat Benatar songs. Nice. She's an 80s, uh, yes. yeah, yeah. Fire and Ice. We know, who, um, we know who Pat Benatar I mean, maybe not everybody listening knows who Pat Benatar is, which is tragic, but... <laughs> yeah, Pat Benatar, Fire and Ice was my first, uh, first song. Yes. Yeah. And then... Uh, uh, around about third grade, everyone was forced to play the recorder. <laughs> play uh, it! Yeah. Play the recorder! <laughs> so I did some of that. And then uh, in fourth grade, in public high, sc- uh, public high school, public elementary school in Washington State, uh, we got to try a trimester. I don't know if that seems like a strange word to use. I think, anyways. <laughs> 
a section of uh, choir and then uh, band and then orchestra. And um, all the violins were taken, so I was handed a viola. <laughs> like, I guess this is fine. Um, the but violin's some, fat cousin. Yeah. <laughs> it was incredibly painful to oh, learn how to no. play because it's just, it was like, you know, really big. And um, Did they give you one that was too big? No, everyone's was too big. Everyone's was too big. <laughs> I guess yeah. They don't yeah, really have like any fourth, child size fourth grade, you said? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So we were, you know, reaching way out, and um, and the metal <laughs> piece on the on the on the chin rest was hitting my, um, my clavicle, mm -hmm. and digging. Always in. a good feeling. Yeah, but the cool older boys that I looked up to that really wanted to hang out with um, oh. played the viola, so I thought that's what the cool kids. Did. Oh, okay. So you're like, well, obviously I have to play viola. Yeah, because that's what cool cool boys do. <laughs> um, and then uh, at what point? At what point were you like, I think I could, uh, <laughs> I think I could do this as like a career. I think I will keep doing this. Uh, well, it seemed like it was something that I kind of had. A natural talent for music in general, mm -hmm. and and viola uh, was something that I did with increasing levels of passion. I would say, mm -hmm. starting in around middle school, and then um, it became apparent that I was a lot better at it than a lot of other people. <laughs> um, which isn't to say, you know. <laughs> it's not the violin. Let's be real. So, like, nobody was like, "Holy crap!" You were like. You know, incredible. Uh -huh. It was just, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I won the state competition mm -hmm. in high school mm -hmm. in my senior year. And then it kind of seemed obvious that. You're like, I should keep doing this. Yeah. This is a good road. Yeah. And then, but I always was very sort of passive in terms of like career path. Mm -hmm. And so I went to a few years of music school after high school. Mm -hmm. Um but then I ended up <laughs> dropping out and, mm -hmm. and doing a completely different career path for a while. Yeah. Um, I didn't play any classical music for like five, seven years, something like that. What did you, what kinds of stuff did you play during that time? Mm, I was in a band uh, called Rachel's Band. And we, um, it was kind of like a, what we would now call indie classical mm -hmm. crossover-y band. I think it was termed post-rock at the time. Ew. I don't even think post-rock is a thing anymore. Maybe it's like a throwback thing. It I might be. Tortoise is a solidly post-rock band that still does play out. I'm going to take your word for it. Um, <laughs> I'm sure the internet might have a thing or <laughs> two to say knows. about that. Uh, yeah, so I played in that band because one of the cool older boys from elementary school that I looked up to was in that band. Oh. He had gone to uh, Peabody and... Um, ended up meeting a punk rocker on the bus because they were both trying to hit on the same girl, <laughs> and then they ended up <laughs> that old that, that old story forming a band, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it turned out the cellist didn't want to go on tour mm. uh, for a European tour, and I um, had reconnected with this guy after I moved back to my hometown, Port Towns in Washington. So anyways, I got asked to go on this tour, and then I got to come so to... So you were like the replacement cellist yeah. on viola? Yeah. <laughs> so then it was a two viola, two viola, piano, drums, oh, wow. bass, and trumpet 
band. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, black and white Super 8 projections. Oh, my. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. That's cool. Um, yeah, that's cool. <coughs> um, and I was wondering, so you do also, um, you've gotten into electronic music and uh, like DJ kind of setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wondering, how did you first get interested in like electronic music? Was it something you just kind of fell into? Um and how did you first like incorporate that into your violin slash viola playing? Or was oh. it just like a natural, like, oh, of course I would do these two things together? No, not totally. <laughs> uh, I got into electronic music, I think, probably because I was into breakdancing when I was in, nice. in, uh, in sixth grade. And so that music, the breakdancing music, mm-hmm. uh, really captivated my... Uh, ear and uh, your soul yeah i just there's you know <laughs> when jam on it by nucleus came out i just listened to that over and over again yeah. and was just really really into that and trying to learn how to break dance mm-hmm. and um in suburban well not even suburban small town washington state oh my i was in one of the two breakdance crews I was going to say, I was like, was there much of like a breakdance scene there? Yeah, you know, there surprisingly was. <laughs> breakdancing basically took over the United States at that oh, okay. that time. I think okay. in terms of the popular imagination, it was certainly, yeah. at least as far as I could tell, Yeah, being 11 years old. Yeah. Uh, so then I got really into that music, and then I didn't really do much in terms of DJing until I guess I was living in Seattle mid 90s got into hip hop mm-hmm. uh DJing uh with a friend who had a great record collection and let me try out his turntables and um hip hop in terms of beat matching which is one of the skills of DJing mm-hmm. is um a little bit more i would say easy to get the hang of cuz it's slower in, uh-huh. in speed so you have um it's just everything's just a little bit you can take your time and you can kind of ease into it and you just have to match the snare, which is usually very clearly heard. Yeah. Um, so uh, I got into DJing hip hop records and then um, rave culture hit uh-huh. right about that time. And I started going to some raves and mm-hmm. got really into As one does. Um, 808 State and Meet Beat Manifesto and these some of these bands from England that had um, a little bit faster music. and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And there in Seattle at the time, there was, you know, some really fun parties that happened regularly that you could just show up to. Seattle would be the place for that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a pretty cool yeah. uh, scene. And then um, I started going to Burning Man and meeting a bunch of electronic music producers that happened to also go. And mm-hmm. that was, I mean, being someone who's fascinated by music, like the first time I heard sort of bass music that was um it kind of like connected all those dots for me the the passion for jungle music and like uh, drum and bass that i got into yeah um that rave music the breakdancing music all that stuff kind of came together and um in tents out in the desert yeah and uh, i was definitely blown away nice and decided that i wanted to learn how to make that music and also create it like uh play along with it with my instrument so i got an electric violin uh for a really great deal at uh andy's music which doesn't exist anymore here in chicago but yeah yeah 
Um, do you have any more? Uh, do you have any upcoming dates at Boozebox? I do actually. <gasps> I'll be at Boozebox. I'm regularly at Boozebox, but I never know when I'm going to play until a few days before the month begins. Mm-hmm. So, so this Boozebox is the bar. It's sort of underneath slash adjacent to so- Sushi Doku. Yeah, so it's okay. underneath Sushi Doku. Yeah, and it's across the alley from the Soho House on Green Street. Right south of Randolph. Okay. Just want to make sure people know where yeah, they're going. Yeah, sure. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> I'll be there on the 31st, the Wednesday <gasps> of January. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. I think I'll be there. Cool. I think I can go. <laughs> That's fun. I'm going to try to play at least an hour of music that I wrote all by myself <gasps> that night. Oh, that's exciting. So yeah, it's going to be a bit of a debut. Cool. A oh, bunch I'm of stoked. tracks okay. that I've been working on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, everybody go. Everybody be there. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the way that we met was through theater. Sorry, yeah. I'm doing no, a one yeah, of you right now. Just um, <clears throat> so you've, I mean, and you've definitely been in the theater scene for longer than I have. How did you first get into theater? Was it something that you've sort of fallen into or? Yeah. Uh, I feel like very few people I talk to are like, I set out to play in theater. <laughs> like, I, it was my goal. It's true. Um, I first came to Chicago in 2001 mm-hmm. with the goal of uh, joining the Civic Orchestra. Okay. And uh, I didn't get in as a regular member, but I did get in as an associate. Yeah. And um, so I began basically being a sub for the orchestra. And right about that same time in 2002, I got called to play at the Shakespeare Theater. <gasps> cool. Um, on Navy Pier. And so that was my first um, musical theater gig. Uh, and from that point, I did some pretty regular every year, or every other year-ish type of appearance at the Shakespeare Theater mm-hmm. uh, for a few years. But I didn't really get into the more mainstream theater scene until um, maybe 2015. 20 okay. Yeah. So I had kind of a long layoff of not doing. Uh, I said no to Shakespeare Theater once or twice, and then you know, then you stop getting asked. <laughs> so yeah, it's like <laughs> it's such a line you have to walk. It's like you know, you want to be able to say no so that you can like do other things sometimes, but it's like. Yeah. You never know how many times of saying no is like maybe one too many times. Sure. Yeah. You can take yourself right off the map that way. Ugh. But <coughs> I, I, at that time, I, I kind of mm, had a lot going on uh, in terms of my own projects that I had initiated. Mm. And I wanted to sort of clear the deck in a way to see what might yeah. fill that, you know, two and a half, three month slot. Yeah. Um, and some pretty cool stuff did come up that I wouldn't have been able to do, um, like music festivals mm-hmm. and um, recordings and right. a okay. little bit of touring. Assorted, assorted activities. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. Um, so you played at like the Marriott and now Writer's Theater and a bunch of other places in the area. Yeah, I had one show at the Oriental last year, mm-hmm. uh, Fun Home, the Broadway national tour that was kind of i would say one of the highest profile musical theater things i've done and then a few things at the goodman yeah sweet Mm -hmm. sweet 
and then we're we're gonna play Oklahoma. I know. Ah, it's gonna be great. Um. Okay, so one thing the you just got back a couple days ago. Yeah. From um, fun and frivolity. Well, not frivolity, but uh, sort of (laughs) celebrating. Yeah. Uh, drunk history. Yeah. So you you write music for the show on Comedy Central called Drunk History. How did that end up happening? Well, um, I was inspired by a Chicagoan by the name of Greg Spiro, who plays piano. And a few years ago, he moved out to L.A. Mm -hmm. to pursue, you know, his dream Mm -hmm. out there. And he, next thing I knew, he was posting him hanging out with Herbie Hancock and you know, very um, different from my brief experience in LA. It's true. <laughs> he just seemed, you know, not to, it, it's just, you know what? Everybody just, has a different experience. It just out there. clicked for him. Yeah. And then yeah. he met this artist named Halsey and they were playing, yeah. you know, little dates. And, wow. um, in fact, this last Saturday marked his, uh, they debuted on Saturday Night Live. They were the guests. Yeah. And then he announced on Facebook that he's leaving Halsey's band and he's going to pursue his own stuff. So that's kind of a whole complete Oh, my gosh. Arc. Holy uh, crap. In any case, that, <laughs> observing that experience, I was thinking to myself, I wonder what would happen if I went out to L.A. and just sort of shook the trees and yeah. pursued all the leads and asked all my friends and friends of friends. Yeah. Um, and I'd also ended, uh, my orchestra, I had an orchestra for 10 years, new millennium orchestra that I helped to run and it had, I decided to leave it. And so I was kind of looking for the next thing to do. So yeah, I just kept going out and my wife was very accommodating with that (laughs) wasteful process. Well, not wasteful, obviously. Um, like things came of potentially it. You know? waste, potentially waste. Potentially, but she had, pointless. you know, she had faith in you. Yeah, and uh, I also had some advantages that my sister lives out there in North Hollywood, and mm-hmm. she has a show uh, on Disney, so she nice. has mm, connections and experience, and just is a very uh, great uh, source of inspiration. And clearly, somebody has done it <laughs> that I know, yeah. and love. Yeah. So, uh, Genevieve Goings is her name, hmm. and her show is called Choo Choo Soul. Choo Choo Genevieve. Soul. Yeah. Aww. So I could crash, uh, hopefully not too much, at her place, <laughs> and in then, know how. Yeah, I made some more <laughs> friends, and uh, and then it ended up Dan Gross, the composer for Drunk History, was a friend of a friend, mm-hmm. um, a, uh, and so I asked if he would like to meet, and we met in North Hollywood. Um, I, I bought him a questionable Italian sandwich and <laughs> we talked about what I might be able to do and um, that's compatible with what he does and it turned out that one area that he was particularly lacking was uh, strings. He's basically writing all of this orchestral comp- um, underscoring for Drunk History uh-huh. and he was always running this problem where if he wrote anything that was sort of stretching out and um, glorious string line then his producer would say, that sounds like bupkis. <laughs> because <laughs> the thank God the artificial strings are still not as good as humans. Yeah. And yeah. Um, 
Uh, um, so he, once we both. So it was literally the, the producer didn't like the sound of the artificial strings. Yeah. Okay. So, so he said like, this sounds like shit. Yeah. Okay. You're allowed to say shit on this podcast. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Just going forward. Okay. Duly noted. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm probably telling the story way too long, but uh, <coughs> no. so then Dan just, uh, as often happens in L.A., asked if I would do something for free uh, <laughs> at first, mm-hmm. and I um, said yes, and so it was a personal project of his, a friend of his was getting married, and he wrote her an original song to walk down the aisle to, and Aww. I recorded um, the strings for that. Mm-hmm here in my bedroom and sent them on the interwebs, which ended up becoming our way of working together, um, which has been great. Cool. So he writes most of the music and then you add like string parts basically. Yeah. And then occasionally, um, and more increasingly this season, because this is my second season that I just finished Mm -hmm. season five. Uh, he will say, Hey, I think this one's right up your alley. I think you should write this. (gasps) Ew. Yeah, and you're like, oh, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm like, holy crap! I hope I can do this because <laughs> I get 24 hours. Oh my god, you get 24 hours like to turn back a draft. For, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh my god. Do you know like when it's coming down the pipeline and you're like, okay, I need to lay it out 20. <laughs> it just comes and you're like, shit, I gotta not do anything for 24 yeah. hours except this. Pretty much. Oh man, that's stressful. Yeah, it could be. It's like, I mean, it's great, but it's also, yeah. Thankfully, <laughs> every time that it's happened. You've had inspiration. I've, you know, it, there's something, <coughs> nothing like knowing that you have three hours to come up with yeah. the main thing uh, to help that. And also to clarify, these things tend to be between 15 and 30 seconds long. So we're not talking like you know, Mahler 5 or anything. Right. But, uh, really? I thought you were writing Mahler 5. Yeah, uh. you know, he did a pretty good job the first time. Uh, I think the longest thing I wrote was a minute 30. Okay. Yeah. That's for, still, for I season. mean, it still like takes time to crank out a minute 30. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's surprising. Like, I feel, because I've written like very like small time like things just for like a film here or there, uh-huh. just for like students or whatever. And it, you know, it took me a lot. I think for there was like one thing where I ended up writing maybe 10 minutes total of music and it was all just in small chunks. But even that, I was like, this is a lot of music. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredibly. It's uh, amazing. Like how like you'll just sweat bullets over this one little part and then you're like, oh, that's literally a minute. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Thankfully, this came after several uh, levels of experiences I had mostly self-initiated of uh, scoring mm-hmm. things. Okay, so you were sort of like steeped in that like mindset already. I had had a few failures and some <laughs> small successes mm-hmm. in trying to do it. Um, and so, and I also have a friend who just happened to have an incredible collection of microphones and oh a my. desire to hang out and help me <laughs> dial in my home studio sound. Well, and people who are super into gear are like, I want to show you my gear. Oh, and introduce yeah. you to my gear. He loves nothing more than just show to show you tr- how to use my gear. You know, <laughs> spend three hours trying different <laughs> microphones and record every. Let's talk about gear some more. Yeah. <laughs> so crazed. Yeah. Oh. That's very true. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's cool. And so, okay. So now, drunk history. Yeah. Comes out 
it premieres on January 23rd. That's right. That next Tuesday. Yeah. Okay. And how many episodes in this season? I think there's 14. Oh, Don't shit. totally quote me on that, okay. but I'm pretty sure that's how many we <laughs> only kind of quote you on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, make sure when you watch drunk history, when you watch it, um, you listen to the string parts because you're going to be dope. Yeah. You just hear a little <laughs> wiggle there. And you're like, hey, that, I think a human made that. I think a human made that little like vibrato. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's not like, ah! <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like it thank, sounds an artificial. Thank God the robot strings always finish their phrases like, ha. Ah. <laughs> As though they've been choked. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad you have more finesse than the, uh, than the robot strings. For another few years, I think. <laughs> um... So I wanted to ask if you have any uh, any other sort of projects or performances or shows or anything like that uh, coming up that you're excited about. Okay. Um, well, let's see. Oklahoma at the Marriott. That'll be fun. Well, yeah. Oklahoma at the Marriott. It's April 11th to June 3rd, I believe. Yeah. Um, I'm also going to be scoring one of the films for the Sound of Silent Film Festival that ACM does. Um, I'm pretty excited about that. Where does that happen? That is going to happen, I believe, at the Logan Theater this year. Oh, okay. It was at the Music Box. Um, And I'm trying vigorously to (laughs) pull up the date, uh, failing at that right now. That's okay. So, yeah, that'll be my first uh, composition gig for the Sound of Silent Film. So that'll what be is, like what is that? A sound of silent film. So it's like, is it silent film, and then they get people to like write stuff, write music to go over the silent film. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the silent films are all new, <gasps> and uh, oh. the scores are all obviously new, and the instrumentation is uh, flute, clarinet, violin slash viola, cello, piano, and hand percussion. So I get to write for That's so cool. a real ensemble. Oh my god! And when is that happening? Uh, April something. Yeah. So I've been very bored lately because <laughs> January and no gigs. Right. And so exactly. I've been desperately casting about as I do every year for mm. employment slash projects um, and using all the internet sites to explore the projects and then suddenly some projects actually have manifested none of which i was actively pursuing but <sighs> thankfully things that's just the best sort that's of the best feeling you're like somebody happen. heard about me yeah. somebody knew who i was without my having to tell them oh man <laughs> i can't read when this date is wait oh april 22nd <laughs> yes. there we go april isn't that right around that's really close to earth day isn't it Sorry, yeah. I don't know. Random. It <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know, like, what, do you have a copy of the film that you're having to score over I yet? I just got the email today. Oh. Um, and the, uh, with the films. <laughs> so I'm going to, oh, after shit. this podcast is over, I'm going to watch yeah. the films. Oh, yeah. that's so exciting. That's yeah. really fun, too. I like writing for films. I think it's, it's one of the most fun things I've done. Yeah, I I didn't think I would try to become a composer, but I think it helps that I came from um, 
a background where I also played folk music and, and bands and other things. And it, it has makes more of an inherently like creative side well, to it. It also feels like I don't need to be, you know, the most brilliant genius composer. Yeah, I feel like people definitely have this like idea in their head. Like you, it's I. I have a friend who at one point was like, "I hate this idea. I hate when anybody refers to a composer like you know, if you even if it's like Beethoven or something, you know, refers to them as a genius because it makes it seem like it's this thing that's like really unattainable if you aren't this like sort of abstract idea of what a like quote unquote like genius mm-hmm. is. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway. I always take inspiration by the fact that Leos Janacek didn't write anything that anyone knew about until late in his life, <laughs> 50s, 60s, you know. He peaked late. That's my goal. I want to peak late. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to peak late. Yeah. Our guy, Leos. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody should peak late. It's like, you know, life is long. Yeah. Let's, keep, let's work on the slow burn keep here. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I just got to keep the brakes slightly on, you know. <laughs> it's just just sort of just, just riding the brake the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I used to be really good at just straight up wrecking things that were, go- <laughs> that were going well, but I think I've calmed down on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. Um, is there anything else that you want people to know about? Mm. Anything you want to plug? Well, I have a website. You have a website? I do. I didn't know that. It's Dominic. D-O-M-I-N-I-C, Johnson. The way you spell Johnson. Yeah. Dot <laughs> M-E. Me. Oh. Dot Dominic me. Johnson dot me. That's right. And uh, there's a link to my SoundCloud on there. Uh, I also have some of the same music on the media page. And uh, theoretically, I should be posting things on there about when I play. and you That's know, probably a good idea. How to get in touch with me and all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, if people want to collaborate on things, I'm always interested in uh, talking to people about that. And also, if anyone's trying to get into playing electronic versions of their string instrument, I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Because I've been doing that with some level of success for... Absolutely. I would say so. More than 10 years. For sure. Yeah. A definite level of success. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for, for doing this, for talking to me about thanks, your life. Thanks for having me. Yeah. On, I'm looking forward to hearing this and other episodes of yours. 